Welcome to the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I am Nate Schreiber, and as always, with my co-host, Alex Pollinger. All right, today we're going to get to that uh, bit of a dumpster fire of a preseason game in uh, week three, Friday, in Detroit. But first, even bigger news in the NFL on Saturday night. Andrew Luck retired at the age of 29. Yeah, I now, this is up there in most surprising retirements ever, I think. Um, there are some that may have been more surprising. But then this guy's 29 years old. He's should be in the prime of his career, but he just, between injuries and other things that have happened to him, just isn't loving the game of football anymore, it sounds like. Yeah, and it's hard to fault him for that. That's a mature decision. It's probably not the easy decision to walk away from, you know, 20 to $30 million a year. And it, there was some strange takes from guys like Doug Gottlieb. It, it just really irritated me, you know, blaming the guy like it wasn't his choice to retire or something, like <laughs> that he should please the fans. Yeah, I think a lot of people just fail to remember and think about that these guys are people too and, like, think about the big picture. This this guy, yes, he's made a lot of money playing football, but it's come at at a cost. And the reason these guys are paid so much is because that is what their value is. And they don't do this stuff to make other people happy. They do it because they love the game. And if your love for the game goes away – I have no problem with him walking away from from football. No problem at all. Yeah, and I, I know it's the easy position to go after the fans that booed him uh, as he walked off the field when the news broke during the game. But it's like that just shows those people only care about the uniform. They don't care about the person wearing that uniform. And I, I think that's kind of sad as sports fans. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I really – I don't – like for me as as a Bills fan, no matter who is on the Bills at the time, what they've done for I, I like the guys on the Bills. I'm a fan of the team. And I don't I wouldn't hold it against I, at least I like to think I wouldn't hold it against any Bills player that suddenly decided to retire. Now EJ or not EJ Gaines. Vontae Davis is a slightly different situation. It's just weird the way he did it. Like retiring's fine, retiring at halftime's weird. But it, it's just I can't I can't really imagine what those fans were thinking. I, I, I have to think that they weren't thinking really clearly when they started booing him. Yeah, and Vontae Davis was different. I mean, you can't fault the guy for saying, hey, I don't have it anymore. I, I shouldn't be out on that field. It's more the fact that he left his teammates out there to play the game and didn't even stand there in the second half to support them. He just left the stadium. That's a bit different. Um, I think... With luck with those fans, a lot of them are asking for a refund on their season tickets. Much like it's Andrew Luck's decision to retire, it's also your decision to purchase those season tickets. No one made you do that. (laughs) Yeah, um, and people aren't buying tickets to go see Andrew Luck. I can't imagine many of those fans are solely buying season tickets to go see Andrew Luck. They're, They're buying them to go see the Colts. And they want a refund because, in their minds, they were expecting the Colts to be Super Bowl contenders this year. And now they're thinking, oh, it's probably not going to happen. Why did I pay for these things? Or it's, and for some people, it's probably just a way, oh, it's an f- easy way to get my money back. So, Nate, yeah, that is frustrating. But at the same time, this does have implications for the Buffalo Bills. And we are a Buffalo Bills podcast first and foremost here. So, to me, Nate, 
the Colts are still a wild card contender with Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I would, I would one hundred percent agree with that. The Colts are, they have a very well built roster all around Andrew Luck, or what what was around Andrew Luck now around Jacoby Brissett. They have a really good defense, great pieces. They have good some good skill players on offense. They really have a good team, and there's no reason to believe that they won't be competing for the at the very least a wild card berth. And I wouldn't rule out either them being able to win the division. Yeah, and they have probably one of the top three offensive line units in the NFL. Unfortunately, it came at the end of Andrew Luck's career before it was too late to save him from all the injuries. But I think Vegas is way too low now. They've moved the over-under on Colts' wins to 6.5. Uh, now that sports gambling is legal here in New York, I'd be tempting to go uh, put a bet on that over. Yeah, I would. I mean, I think the Colts are going to win eight games with Jacoby Brissett. I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to do that. He doesn't have to be great. It's I think it's a similar situation to what the Bills have with Josh Allen. He's just got to be average, decent, and they're going to win a decent amount of their games, especially in the division because – are the Titans and the Jaguars going to beat them if Jacoby Brissett plays reasonably well? Probably not. Yeah, exactly. And like we said, this is probably one of the top rosters in the NFL. You know, regardless of who's playing quarterback, you just need competent quarterback play. So that has implications for the Bills because, you know, we figured the Colts are probably a Super Bowl contender. Like you said, this pulls them down out of that pool, I think, down kind of into that six-seed territory. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, they're, they're, if they win the division, they're probably not going to be winning the division with eleven or twelve wins. It would be like a nine and seven team that wins the division kind of thing, and that would even put them at the four seed. So I I would one hundred percent agree with that. They're going to be they're either going to win the division and sneak in that way, or they're going to be competing, contending for the wild card with a few other teams. One of those which is likely going to be the Bills. Yeah, hopefully, from what we've seen so far and what we think is, you know, the ceiling and the floor with this team, the Bills should at least be in the hunt, and, you know, this complicates the mix even more. With that, we'll awkwardly transition to uh, the dumpster fire of a game (laughs) between the Bills and the Lions Friday night in Detroit. Nate, is there any big takeaways here? I mean, I, I didn't quite understand a lot of what was going on. I guess that's my big takeaway. It's the first preseason game. I wasn't quite sure what exactly the Bills coaching staff was doing. The other games, the first two games, I had a pretty good idea of what they were trying to do. No clue against the Lions. Yeah, I mean, I think they only passed the ball four times before that two-minute drill. I, I would have to go back and double-check that, but it couldn't have been much more than that. Yeah, so Josh Allen finished three for six, 49 yards, two rushes for like 17 or 18 yards. He, that, the the worst play of the game doesn't even show up on the stat sheet because he tried to throw one of those hero ball type things back across his body and it got intercepted and he got kind of lucky on the roughing the passer call. But he really didn't th- get a chance to throw it all. They put him out there to hand the ball off a bunch, which just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and they mostly did it with their 31 and 36-year-old running backs, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But the big takeaway for me here is I was wrong about LaShawn McCoy. I thought he didn't have it anymore, which it certainly looked that way from the game against Carolina, but that trademark burst was back against the Lions this past week. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think Shady still has it, like I said in our last pod. He, he isn't the same player he was when he was, you know, 25, 26 years old. 
but he still has it. He's still good enough to play in the NFL. And that, I mean, he's going to, unless unless the Bills get some ridiculous trade offer, I can't see him going anywhere either. I think he's going to be kind of part of this running back by committee in Buffalo, at least to start the year. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It looks like it's going to be a committee. Frank Gore looked really good too. Obviously, Devin Singletary has been kind of the star of the preseason for the Bills. Um, but interestingly enough, Nate, Joe Biscelli of the Athletic reported today that uh, McDermott had an on-field meeting with the leadership council after practice today. And of the 17 players, LaShawn McCoy was not one of them. That's interesting to me because, I mean, he, he was voted a captain by his teammates last year. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the moment. I don't know. Maybe it's something's going on behind closed doors where he's not liking the role of being you know, just one of three guys in the mix in the backfield. He's used to being the bell cow back, but I think he needs to realize at 31 years old, his body probably can't handle that anyways, and he need he's more effective with less touches. Yeah, if he thinks he's some 200 touch a year running back at this age of his at this stage in his career, he's on drugs or something because he, he's not. No, there are no no 31 plus year old running back can can handle 200 touches and be effective over the, the span of 200 touches unless you're some absolute freak at. And the Bills have a situation where they have three pretty good running backs. Two of them happen to be older that they don't want to give a lot of touches to. The other one's a rookie who they probably also don't want to carry them. So they have a perfect situation to, to go with three running backs and get them each touches at various points in, in the game. Yeah, so it'll be interesting as we approach cutdown day, which I believe is Saturday, August 31st, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure if there's anything really to read into with this leadership council stuff, but it wouldn't shock me, you know, with Lamar Miller going down if they wanted to, you know, take a sniff at a trade for LaShawn McCoy. But I would expect McCoy to be on the 53 unless, you know, there's something happening behind closed doors we don't know about. Yeah, I think it would take a really generous trade offer for the Bills to, to move him. Um, they're not I, – I still don't think they're going to give him away. And the other thing is I don't think a team's going to want to pay – for LaShawn McCoy with what? I mean, you're paying for this season. You're paying $9 million for this season of him, and then he's a free agent. Six, I think $6 million, actually. I think, the, 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 what is it, $6 million dead money? So they're, they're paying, yeah. So yeah, they're paying. They're still paying $6 million. I mean, I don't know. If, is that worth it really at all? I'd argue probably not, unless you think you're, you know, one small piece away and you have some cap room to work with and maybe that's a team like the Texans I don't know but another big takeaway for me Nate is the offensive line looked really good in the run game yeah they did I, the, the offensive line is going to be much improved this year and we've kind of known that all offseason um, both starters the second team everyone the offensive line in general just looked really good um, and one guy in the offensive line that kind of stood out to me is Ryan Bates so the Bills traded for him what I think two weeks ago or so, and it, it seemed to me when they made that trade, I didn't even really pay attention to it that much because I figured they were really just trading for him because they had some injuries and they needed another body. But he seems like he's going to be the, the, the backup center, which is kind of wild. 
Yeah, and I think the most intriguing part is he plays all five positions on the offensive line. So I don't know if that makes him, you know, a lock to make that 53 as a guy that's inactive on game day because John Feliciano has been the starting center with Mitch Morris out. But there's a lot of depth on the interior of this offensive line. Not as much at tackle, uh, given the injuries with Larry Jane Waddle going down. But regardless, even without Mitch Morse, they've looked more than competent, which is something we haven't seen in Buffalo in a long time. Yeah, it's 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 nice to see an offensive line where we're not certain before the game that there's going to be at least a few plays where something really bad happens, like Jordan Mills just forgetting to block anyone, which happened multiple times last year, and we, we would be sitting at the game just laughing because Jordan Mills whiffed. I don't think we're going to have that this year. I mean, it's going to happen. It can happen to anyone, but it's not going to be a consistent, oh, every game we're going to whiff on him at least one block. Yeah, and it looks like the Bills have three competent centers, maybe four if you count Spencer Long as well, which Russell Bodine's not even anywhere near making the roster, I don't think. And he was just getting blown straight back into Josh Allen last year right off the snap. So I think we're going to see Allen have more time to throw as long as you know we don't have continuing long-term injuries on the offensive line. It's kind of been a lot of short-term nagging injuries throughout the preseason here, but hopefully they can get healthy for week one. And then I think the offense should be on the right track if they don't try to go like super run-heavy like they did the other night because that was just ugly. It was really boring to watch. Yeah, and I, I hope that that's not a sign of what the Bills are going to try to do in the regular season. I, I would really, I would be much happier if they went with the, the game plan they had in the first two preseason games and just threw the ball all the time. That that's if they just, if they're throwing the ball forty times a game, I'd much rather have that than them throwing the ball twenty times a game and running it thirty times a game. I don't want that. Yeah, they certainly seem to do better when they're up tempo. And when they run that spread offense, too, with four wide or even five wide with one of the running backs out there, it, it opens room for the running game when that short passing game and intermediate passing game is successful. But like we said, it's the preseason. We can't read too much into it when things go well. We can't read too much into it when things go poorly, as long as it's not really awful. And I don't think it was really awful the other night. No, not at all. And I, and I can't imagine we're going to learn anything from the fourth preseason game. So this is really, I think, you might learn about some guys in the end of 53, but in terms of what we're going to see from the Bills, the guys that are going to be out there week one, I think we're, we're pretty much done with that. And it's, I'm, I feel comfortable with what I've seen. And that's, I don't, I don't want to say I feel great about it, but I feel comfortable. Yeah, I feel comfortable saying the floor is probably eight wins, I would hope. Seven if things go really badly. But one more thing I do want to touch on offensively before we just flip quickly to the defense is they looked really good in the two-minute drill where they marched right down and scored there's basically no resistance that might have been Detroit's second team defense or kind of a hodgepodge of the first and second string but they made that look easy and we haven't seen that in a long time in Buffalo either no and that's I think a product of what you had just mentioned Alex which is when they when they get the playoff tempo they look better they look more in sync and I, I like that version of the Bills offense yeah, and you have to think that Brian Dable recognizes that too. Um, when Josh Allen doesn't get to go out there and or rip a bunch of passes in a row, I think he kind of said as much as that, maybe in different words in the post-game interview, where he said he, you know, he's got to take his shots reasonably and not really force the issue like he did on that throw to Robert Foster. But 
is I'm just glad that he recognizes, okay, I can't do that. No matter how frustrated I am that we're just running the ball over and over again. I can't try to beat three defenders across my body. Yeah, and I think he that he just needs to to get it instilled in him that he cannot do that hero ball thing. And I part of me hopes that he just only did it because it was a preseason game and he was just trying to make something cool happen and he wouldn't do that in an actual game. But part of me believes that he just quite hasn't fully gotten it out of his system yet either. Yeah, I mean, he's a young quarterback. It's his second year. There's still going to be growing pains. You know, we can't expect to... Patrick Mahomes, like, second season here. So, Nate, anything else you want to add offensively before we quickly touch on the defense looking really good again? One last thing, because I don't have a ton to add on the defensive side. Um, I, I I am seriously considering the fact that the Bills might keep seven wide receivers. Um, Duke Williams, as, I mean, Isaiah McKenzie, to me, seems like he played one play, but he scored on it, and that's kind of what he's going to be used before the regular season. Duke Williams had another nice game three catches a great touchdown catch on a fade from Matt Barkley I I I think there's a chance that they both make it yeah this is something we discussed during the game Nate I think that's exactly right because it looks like Tyler Croft is probably on track to start the season on pup which would put him out through the first six weeks and they probably only keep three tight ends in that scenario I think Duke Williams came in to block as the slot wide receiver with the first team offense, you know, when they were trapped inside the 10, which was just about every possession. But I think he will be a seventh wide receiver that kind of serves as almost a tight end hybrid. The guy can get out there and run block for you. Yeah, and that, that's that's a good a, a great observation from the game. That, that's when he was out there with the first team, which he was for a few plays. It was solely to block. And... That's a big indication for, for me that he is a pretty good chance of making the roster. Now, he wouldn't, if he does make the roster, he's not going to be out there only to block all the time because that would make it too easy to figure out what the Bills are doing. But it's just a good weapon to have. And his, that combined with his size to go up and get the ball in the red zone, it, it's a, valid, a valuable option for the Bills to have as a seventh wide receiver instead of keeping a fourth tight end for really no reason. Yeah, I mean, if they keep a fourth tight end, it's going to be an inactive on-game-day type of guy, and I think that's just a waste of a roster spot, given what we've seen out of Duke Williams. Um, I don't think there's a 1,000-yard receiver on this team unless they do throw the ball 30 to 40 times a game, and Allen goes for like 4,000 yards. So I do think we're going to see different combinations of receivers, running backs, tight ends out there all the time because the Bills love versatility, and it looks like Dable really wants to mix the play calling up. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to what the Bills' offense is going to look like when the actual game start. Um, so let's, let's move on real quick and talk about the defense a little bit. There's really man, a couple things I want to talk about. The first is the defensive end situation. What are the chances that the Bills keep five defensive ends? Is it is that something? Can I, they keep five defensive ends and also keep seven wide receivers? Or is that not that's not really even a question? Is it? I think that leaves them extraordinarily thin at offensive line or linebacker, you know, given the amount of injuries they've had on the offensive line. I know they like the depth that they have there, but you're looking at who they have to cut if they keep five defensive ends and seven wide receivers, and I don't think they like that picture very much. So I think Mike Love might be on the outside looking in going to the practice squad. Yeah, if, if they go with four, he almost certainly is because you can't, 
if you cut Daryl Johnson and you put you put him on waivers, he's not going to make it through waivers. There's there's no shot he makes it through waivers. He played really well again against the Lions. Made a great play on special teams. Got pressure on the quarterback once. I think he got a hit on the quarterback once. He and his his athleticism is just off the charts. He's a guy that if you wave him, he's not going to be a, a Buffalo Bill anymore. And I don't think the Bills are going to want to take that risk. Yeah, I would say he's pretty close to a lock at this point. Uh, one quick observation for me on the defense. I know a couple pods ago I mentioned I expect the defense to be up in the top five in scoring, maybe not so much for yards because the offense isn't going to be turning over short fields all the time. And I think we saw a bit of that Friday night against the Lions. Stafford did have some success getting you know some yardage, but it didn't really result in a ton of points. No, and we saw that. Uh, we saw that last year at, at times with the Bills, too. The teams would get down in the red zone and just would not be able to put things together, or they would get it cross midfield and just not be able to get any farther. The Bills' defense has a, a – they do a really good job. Being, they can really sit on their head if they, when they need to and hold teams up. And that if that can continue all season, that that's where the Bills are going to be winning football games. Yeah, it's definitely going to be led by the defense. One thing I want to touch on that's kind of scary is the punting situation. Corey Carter is out with an injury right now. Corey Bajorquez does not look like an NFL punter. We said it last pod, I, I stand by my, by my prediction, that I don't think the Bills' week one punter is on this roster right now. And I would 100% agree with that. Um, one of them's going to make it in the initial 53 cutdown. One of them will. But that doesn't mean they're going to end up being their week one, like we said. There's, I, I can't see – I mean, Bajorquez had – Five punts, I think, against the Lions. The first two were terrible. The last three were a, a bit better. His consistency is just not there, and we haven't really seen what Carter can do because he has been hurt. So, I mean, if one of them's going to make it, it's probably going to be Bajorquez. Make it on Saturday. But, like, I agree with you, Alex. The punter's going to come from somewhere else. Yeah, Nate, I'd really like to see them go after uh, Ryan Allen. They got cut by the Patriots. I think that's a good veteran, uh, a guy that you can rely on. He'll be consistent, might not be the best punter in the league, but you're not going to have any awful punts. Yeah, and that's really what – that's that's the big thing for me is we you can't afford terrible punts. And two of his – Corey Borges' five were terrible. 40% of your punts being terrible is real, a really, really, really bad percentage. Yeah, especially when you look at the rest of the preseason, too, and it hasn't been a whole lot better. Nate, anything else you want to add before uh, we wrap this up here? Because we're going to go with a 53-man roster projection for you later in the week here. I think I'm I'm looking forward to getting the 53-man roster projection done. Um, There's not going to be a ton to see the last preseason game. I mean, I might be some guys that I have making the back end of the roster, maybe being able to watch them a little bit. Otherwise, we're not going to see too much there. But I'm, I'm, the Bills, for the first time in a while, are cutting NFL quality talent, and that is makes this really fun. Yeah, I'm certainly excited about it, and you'll probably hear from us again on Thursday or Friday with our projection of the 53-man roster that will uh, go into effect on Saturday. So that'll bring us to an end of this episode of the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I am your co-host, Alex Powell. And I am Nate Schreiber. Subscribe. Give us a a rating and review, please, if you would, wherever you get your podcast, because that really helps other people find it. Uh, Even better, share it with a friend this week. We'd really appreciate that. 
Uh, also, always download the podcast because that helps our numbers as well. You can follow us on Twitter, at Bills underscore Breakdown. Send us any questions, comments, feedback to Bills Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.